A Minute of Civics is produced by WFHB in partnership with the League of Women Voters of Bloomington, Monroe County. Hello, this is Susan Gloatz with the League of Women Voters of Bloomington, Monroe County. And I am here today with Ann Birch, who is also with the League. Hi, Susan. Hey, Ann. I've seen many news articles lately on the upcoming elections and about something called gerrymandering. I hear that there is a local organization called the League of Women Voters involved in these things. Can you tell me more about this? The League of Women Voters is actually a national league with state and local affiliates. Our league is called the League of Women Voters of Bloomington-Monroe County. How did the league get started? The league was founded in 1920, six months before ratification of the 19th Amendment. Remember, the 19th Amendment established the right to vote for women. It became law after over 70 years of activism by women such as Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Carrie Chapman Catt. We owe a lot to these women. So, are only women allowed to join the league? Not at all. The League extended membership to men in 1974. Today, men are welcomed and encouraged to join, and many are very active. If I understand correctly, the League believes in all citizens playing a critical role in our government through voting. Definitely. The League has historically been a nonpartisan organization, supporting the political process by educating citizens about their government, legislation, and voting. It seems natural, then, for the League to be involved with the gerrymandering discussion. I keep hearing about this. What exactly is it? It's helpful to trace the roots of gerrymandering first. The Boston Gazette coined the term in 1812 when then-Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Gerry signed a bill that redistricted the state. His political party created a political district map that gave his party an advantage. People said that the map looked like a monstrous salamander. The Gazette combined this observation with the governor's last name, and the term gerrymandering was born. That sounds extraordinarily shady. How was that legal? More importantly, is this legal now? Yes, is the answer to both of your questions. Drawing the district lines for U.S. congressional and state legislative districts is the legal responsibility of the states. But aren't there laws about how this should be done, and done responsibly and fairly? One of the primary laws is that districts are required to have a comparable number of people, and federal law currently states that district lines have to respect minority rights, but it doesn't give specifics. So, it's up to individual states to adopt stricter guidelines if they so choose? That's right. Is it possible that some states end up with district lines that were drawn decades ago? No, every 10 years after the national census, states adjust their district lines to account for population changes. But if a party holds a majority in the state legislature, then in many states, that party can draw lines that give it an electoral advantage for the next 10 years. Ah, an advantage indeed. A very unfair advantage. I imagine that gerrymandering could have, and does have, significant effects. Citizens may not be motivated to vote if they sense that their vote won't count. And a candidate running for the opposing party that is not in the majority might face a steep uphill battle, ultimately choosing not to run. Exactly. That is a climate that we find ourselves in now in Indiana and many other states across the country. And we need to change this. We need to make improvements and restore balance to the districting process. Yes, Susan, I wholeheartedly agree. And the good news is this is possible. We'll talk more about that next time. 
A Minute of Civics is produced by WFHB in partnership with the League of Women Voters of Bloomington-Monroe County.